0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thanks for joining me here in my home in McKinney, Texas for Gospel Saving Church. And thank you guys for coming all over the world. You guys and gals coming all over the world from SoundCloud. God bless you. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Thank you for joining us here. It's a beautiful day in the Lord. It's a little rainy here in McKinney, Texas, but you know what? It's, it's okay if it's rainy outside because we got the light of Christ within us. Amen. If we're saved and born again, the Bible says that we have the light of Christ within us. So even though it may not be light outside, it could be light within us. All right. Well, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll get to our section of uh, our, our little thoughts from last week's message. And let's ask the Lord to bless our message and help our hearts to understand and help our ears to hear. As Jesus always said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So we, let's pray today that the Lord would give us ears to hear his word today. Lord, thank you for this new day. Rainy or not rainy or sunny or whatever, Lord. Rainy or sunny or windy or hurricaney, whatever it is, Lord, we or you're still on your throne, Lord. You're still in control. You're still strong. You're still mighty. You don't change, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we would have that resolve today. That we would stay strong in you, Lord God, and and not change and be joyful, Lord God, no matter what the weather's like, Lord God. If we've got you, Lord, we have joy. We can have peace and you're good and And you don't change, and your love, and your mercy, and your truth is all still there, no matter what bad things happen in our lives. So thank you, Lord, for this new day, and thank you for this new message. We praise you, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, as I just said just now, right before I started praying, Lord, which you heard me say it, because you're always around us. Lord, I said that we need to pray that the Lord would give us ears to hear. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Lord, help us, Lord, today to have ears to hear, Lord, what you are speaking through your word today through Paul to Timothy, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for these words. And they are um, uh, encouraging, but Lord, on the same token, they're they're sad because we're in the last days right now. And uh, it's it, it, we have perilous times right now, Lord. But help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you. Your word says those who draw near to you, you will draw near to them. So, Lord, help us draw near to you through faith and help us just to trust in you and hold on to you, no matter how bad the times may get outside, no matter how perilous the times may become. Thank you, Lord. And we pray all these things and ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to turn, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 today. We're going to finish out chapter 3. We won't be in 2nd Timothy much longer as we only have one more chapter past this but we're going to be in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 through 17. Um, If you want to turn to that you can turn to that I'm not going to read just yet I'm going to go through my thoughts from last week's message the last days religious imposters. So last week we talked about the perilous or evil days and why they are currently because I believe we're in them now and why they're going to be getting even more evil as, you know, the time goes on until Jesus Christ returns. And the reason they are evil and the reason they will be evil was because, of course, remember what Paul said, that they would be full of the narcissistic, conceited, lover of sin people, right? We call that group of people that Paul talked about in last week's message, the evil religious imposters. Remember, because Paul said they would have an appearance of godliness, right? Yet they'd still act in all those evil, conceited, sinful ways. Now, we also talked about how real Christians, right, are supposed to relate to them mostly, Paul said, we're supposed to stay away from them. Hey, turn away, get away from these people. And of course, he meant, as we talked last week, about intimate relationships. We're not supposed to be having intimate relationships with them, doing things with them, you know, like the things that they do, you know, except for the fact that we're supposed to be sharing Jesus Christ with them. We can't can't ever forget the Great Commission. We're supposed to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, even the evil religious imposters, they're every creature, right? So, I mean, even though they're evil... We know that we're not supposed to live like them or do the things they do and have intimate fellowship with them. But we know we're supposed to reach them because they are every creature. So, just last thoughts on this teaching: it would be really easy, you see, because because they are so evil, and because remember what we talked about last night, like how Muslims have this appearance of godliness. Yet, look at what they're doing to Christians. You know, look what the look at what a large, you know, portion of the Islamic people are doing to Christians. They're killing them, and ISIS, and so on and so forth. But just some thoughts on how, you know, not just, just not only reaching them, but the Lord wants us to keep one last thing in our minds as we do have interactions with these people. Because, you know, think about it. Most people that are listening to me right now, even in my, well, most people in my home even, when we go out every day, we're going to be having interactions with these people. I mean, they're all around us, right? So how... Do we treat them aside from trying to reach them for Christ? Well, in our relation to them, we need to remember that we need to love them. And we need not treat them with the same evil that they treat us with. Or, or don't return evil for evil, right? We are not under the covenant that teaches us eye for an eye anymore, right? This was in the old covenant, and people even took that out of context. Well, no, We're no longer eye for an eye. We're now love. Right, God wants us to love people. Remember what Paul wrote in verses 24 through 26 of our last section. He said, And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, right? In humility, being humble toward these evil religious imposters, right? Correcting them because they're in opposition. If God perhaps, listen, like Paul said, will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Remember, God wants to save them. Well, he's not going to be able to work on their hearts and save them if we're returning evil to them for the evil that they do to us. So we need to remember that no matter how they treat us, love is not optional towards them for us. Remember my couple sermons ago, because God still desires to save them. So even as they treat us, God's kids, with spite... Or they treat us terribly, or they're mean to us, or they kill us. Just like ISIS is doing to Christians all over the world, we need to remember that we just need to love them and try to lead them to Christ and not hate them, nor return evil for evil. Remember, they're only going to do to us what they did to Jesus Christ. And remember what they did to Him. They spat on Him. They struck Him. They crucified him and they killed him. And they're only going to do the same thing to us. In fact, Jesus promised us that if they did it to him, they were going to do it to us too. So we already know that's the way it is. So we might not as well just not return evil for evil, but rather love them. Loving them by our actions is not nor ever will be easy, but we must love them and pray for them because God still loves them and God still wants to save them. All right. Well, praise God. Just some some quick last thoughts. Praise God. Let's switch gears, get on to our new sermon for today. Our new sermon's title, The Perilous Last Days. 2 Timothy 3 10 through 17. Title again, The Perilous Last Days. If you guys want to read these with me, and then we'll start off our teaching. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, But you, we'll just say Timothy, because we know he's writing to Timothy. But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and in Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me, Yes, and all who desire to live a Godly or all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer per- persecution. It's a promise. But evil men and impostors, we'll call them the religious impostors, just like from last week, will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Paul and Christ told us, remember last week, what these evil religious imposters will be like in the last days in our last section, right? And in Matthew 24. Remember, we talked about both those sections. We studied Paul's writing there, and we went over to Matthew chapter 24, and we read Jesus' words. Remember, they said that they were going to be like, they were going to be self-consumed, they were going to be conceited, they were, were going to be lovers of self instead of lovers of God, blasphemers, full of hate, even killing Christians, etc etc, etc. So it's good that we know how not to live and act right Christians. I mean we know that the Bible condemns those type of actions the same ones that the religious leaders are or the, the, the you know religious imposters act, right uh, People that live a lifestyle of those ways aren't going to be going to heaven. That's just simple as that. Jesus said Matthew chapter 7, all who practice lawlessness shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And those religious imposters, the ones that look religious, yet they act in all those evil ways, they won't be going to heaven unless they repent, because the Bible says that nobody that practices sin inherits eternal life. That's right. Remember, no eternal life without repentance toward dead works or your sinfulness, your sinful ways of your flesh, and faith in Jesus Christ, just like Paul writes in Hebrews. Now, although Paul just gave us some really bad news in our last section about these bad these these bad last days, these terrible, evil last days. Here he starts out in today's section of scripture with some encouraging words to Timothy and us, telling us how we should live. Look back to verse 10. He says, but you, Timothy, and you could say us if, if we're this way too, but you, Christian or Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine. That'd be his teaching." Paul had a teaching about the Bible, about the Old Testament, and about whatever had been written in the New Testament so far until this point in his life. He says, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, and perseverance. He, had, he was commending Timothy. Good job, Timothy, for you've carefully followed all these holy, awesome, godly ways that I've lived. You've kept my teachings. You've done the things that I've said. Notice, though, how all these ways that Paul lived and that he commended Timothy for, carefully following, are diametrically opposed to the religious imposter's fleshly ways. You see here that Paul lived, uh, what he said here, he says, a manner of life. We know that Paul lived a holy life. His purpose, his purpose was to share the gospel. So that would be denying self, sharing the gospel. His faith, which is trust in God, not trust in himself. His long suffering. Well, that's not, that's, that's continuing to go even through the hard times. Long suffering. Think about that word. Love. Well, the opposite of that was hate. Diametrically opposed to those religious imposters and perseverance. All these ways that he was commending Timothy for here were completely opposite of the ways which the religious imposters lived which was self you know self 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 blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanders all hate and all against God and all against authority and so on and so forth now One trademark of a saved person, you see this in the Bible, you see this in Bible teachings here, as Paul writes to Timothy here, one trademark of a saved person is the fact that they have power over sin. The Bible says that once somebody's saved, once somebody's born again, that they're not a slave to sin anymore. We may still sin, but we're not slave to sin anymore. One trademark of this saved person in the Bible is we don't become sinless as far as we don't never sin again. But the longer we live, remember my old saying, we certainly start to sin less. And Paul knew here, as he wrote to Timothy, he was commending him. Paul knew that Jesus Christ said, deny self, pick up cross, and follow me. And that he meant that statement exactly the way he said it. Also notice here that Timothy carefully followed the holy ways and the faithful ways and the loving ways of Paul. And of course, then Paul followed the teachings of Jesus Christ. So we'll say that Timothy carefully followed Paul's ways and Christ's ways. Christians, we must take note of this. We must think to ourselves, what does he mean here, carefully followed? We must carefully follow Jesus Christ's teachings. Why? Well, although we may have power over sin, to not sin... Sin sure comes easy for our flesh, amen? Unfortunately, sin is the first response of anything we do. We want the initial action of our flesh is to lash out to sin. So we must carefully follow Jesus Christ's teachings because it's not easy to live a Christ-like life. It's not easy to tell yourself, not yourself, but get it yourself, meaning the flesh part of yourself, it's not easy to tell yourself, no, hey, don't sin, flesh, hey, don't do, don't, don't act that natural way, don't, you know, when somebody's mean to you, don't just be man back. Oh, hold up, stop. Hey, somebody swears at you, want, you want to just swear right back. Somebody cuts you off, you you want to get them, cut them back. Yet, carefully following Christ in His holy ways, you say to yourself, whoa, well, wait a minute, put the brakes on, get the bit in the mouth. Slow down, flesh. Stop. Don't do that. You know that's not honoring to Christ. Uh, As I said, just because we may be born again doesn't mean that we naturally want to live holy, and it doesn't make it easy. But nevertheless, that's why Paul commended Timothy for carefully following his ways and the ways of Christ, of course. Living Christ-like life is so difficult sometimes. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He says, but I discipline my body. What I was just saying, get the, bit in, get the bit in the mouth, right? But I discipline my body. This is something that, notice it's an ongoing thing. It's not something I even did once. It's something I got to do every day. Jesus said in the Gospels, those who want to follow me must deny themselves, pick up the cross daily and follow after me. I discipline my body constant. By, and bring it into subjection. Under what? What does he have to bring into subjection? Well, the body wants to sin. Your body naturally wants to sin. He brings it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What he's saying there is, I don't want to preach to others and then act in a contrary way. We know that's a religious imposter thing, right? A religious hypocrite, right? When we preach to others and yet do the same things ourselves and we don't want to do that. And here, Paul praises Timothy for following his teachings and the holy ways of of life carefully. That's important to note. We need to follow Christ and his teachings carefully. But that's not all Paul commends Timothy for. In verse 11, look what else he says. He also commends him for following him in his persecutions and afflictions. And then he goes on about himself, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, which means they were really bad. And he was commending Timothy, hey, Timothy, I know you've followed me in these things too. Now, Timothy didn't go out and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Paul in persecution. No. Well, Paul said, it's anybody that wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will face persecution. So Timothy was following the manner of life of Paul and following the manner of life of Christ. And what was he facing? He was facing persecution for what he was, you know, for what he was following Christ for. He was facing persecution and afflictions. Obviously, Timothy was the unfortunate recipient of the same kind of persecutions and afflictions that Paul had endured. And again, because he was, Paul commends him not for going through them, mind you. Paul's not going, all right, Timothy, go get into some more. No, no, Paul was commending him for his dedication to following his teachings and Christ Jesus through it all. It's not easy to follow the teachings of Christ when we're getting persecuted, especially for something we've done no wrong. We've done no wrong to the people that are persecuting us. We didn't go out and do some evil, and then people are evil, you know, doing evil back to us. The, the, the Christians in the Middle East, they're not going out there and attacking the Muslims, and then the Muslims are just retaliating. No. Christians are living Christ-like lives, and because of their belief and their following of Jesus Christ and who he is, the Muslims and other people in the world are coming against them for that. They're loving people. And yet these people are coming against them and attacking them and killing them. Even here in America, we face persecutions and so on and so forth through them in America here. So not as much as those guys in those Christians in other countries, but we face some here. And I don't go out and hurt anybody or, or mean to anybody or retaliate against anybody, but I love and I you know, share who I am in Jesus, and that just gets me in trouble. It's it's a natural thing. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will face persecution. Uh, Sadly, persecutions and afflictions are part of the package when we really follow Christ. Did you know that if you follow Christ, if you're a Christian in our world today, you'll face some type of persecution or affliction from people of the world that are not saved. That Really, if you're not saved, you belong to the devil. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you're not following Jesus Christ, you're the devil's puppet. You're not God's servant. Okay, So it really here, most Christians in America that follow Christ face some type of persecution or affliction from people that are of the world. Whether it be torture, death, imprisonment, harassment opponents of christianity trying to make you shut up about jesus because they don't want to hear about jesus those that are against the gospel those that are against christ those that want they don't want to even hear you talk about jesus at all but nevertheless christians are facing persecutions from the unsaved all over the world now as says its it is it shouldn't be a shock to us it shouldn't be a shock to it it is a shock to us when it happens we're like oh <gasps> Oh my gosh, I can't, why are they persecuting me? I'm just loving them. But yet, it, it is a shock, but it, it shouldn't be. We should expect it. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew ten sixteen. He says to the disciples, and nothing's changed. Behold you, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, what do wolves do to sheep? Well, wolves eat sheep. Wolves kill sheep, right? And Jesus said to his disciples, to us, I send you out in the midst of, in the midst of wolves as sheep. Therefore, be wise as servants and harmless as doves. Paul even speaks about it here. Look at verse 12. He says this. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's a promise. If you live for Christ and you live an open life for Christ and you serve the Lord and you follow Jesus and you believe in him, somebody's going to come against you for what you believe. It's just going to happen. Jesus promised it. Paul promised it. Paul lived it. Jesus lived it, Timothy lived it, I've lived it. It's just going to happen. That's just kind of what happens. Um, yet, as terrible and as scary as persecutions and afflictions can be when they happen to you, listen to what Paul says in the last sentence of verse 11. He says this And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. This is some good news, at least for uh, a little while, anyway while you may be going through persecutions now, Paul says here, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Is Paul saying that he'll never die? Is Paul saying that because he walks with Christ and he'll face all these evils, and he, but he'll never die, he'll never, you know, God will just keep him until forever, until the rapture, until Christ comes back? That, no, that's, that's not what he's saying here. You see, any one of the persecutions that Paul faced could have easily led to his permanent death. But he says here that the Lord didn't let that happen. I myself can say the same thing. I have, le- I have uh, faced many persecutions since I've been a Christian. In America, it's not really persecution unto death, at least where I've lived so far. Mostly, it could have been a persecution to maybe losing a job or persecution to, you know, coming against me and my family, slander, things like that, right, for that matter. But in America, it's not quite, at least with places I've lived, it's not been persecution unto death. But yet for Paul, it was. And most of the persecutions that he faced could have easily led to death. But, major point here, if you are God's servant, did you know, as Paul was, until God's done with you, you're bulletproof on this earth. Nobody can take you out of this earth until it's God's time for his servant to depart. It's just this plain and simple fact. In fact, Paul, we were reading during Bible time this one week, he was stoned in this one city. Well, that's stoned to death. Yet when the brethren gathered around him, he rose up because God wasn't done with him. Okay? So until you're God, until God's done with you, if you're his servant, serving him, doing his purpose, he will not let you die. Christians will have terrible things happen to them. But until God is done with them on the face of this planet doing his work, nobody can kill you. And God is always so faithful to me. I, I didn't even know this was coming this week. Yet I got an email this week. I got an email for a prayer for this one woman. Her name is Miriam. And she lives in Iraq. In case in point, I, so I get this email from Voice of the Martyrs. It's a weekly prayer letter. And they list off three different things, usually, of people around the world that are facing persecution for Christ. And so in this week's, or last week, no, I believe it's this week's prayer, uh believe it came Friday, actually. So it would have been Friday of last week, and, the God, and then the Lord brought it to my mind this week. So it comes out every Friday, I believe. And in this letter, they one specific one that applied to. Exa- I read this and my mouth dropped open. God brought it back to my mind when I was talking about Paul this week in our in my sermon, writing about him. And in this Mary, this this lady Miriam, M I R, I A M, Miriam. And I'm going to read you her story. And and it's it's she's a modern day Paul, okay, in a sense. She's a modern day Paul, and she completely fits exactly what. God spoke to me here about being bulletproof. If you're serving God, nobody's going to take you out. I'm going to read to you about it real quick. Miriam, a 93 year old Christian woman, is the only believer left in her Iraqi village. Did you hear me? 93 years old, and she's the only Christian in her village that's left. In 2014, the self-proclaimed Islamic State, ISIS, overran the village, forcing thousands of Christian Christians, including her children and other relatives, to flee. They left. They fled. Yet somehow, it seems that Miriam was led by God to stay, kind of like Paul. Paul. You know, God said go. Paul went. and God said stay. And Paul stayed. Well, Miriam obviously was told to stay by God. Well, here, Miriam has survived a series, of, a series of tragedies in her life involving the persecution of Christians, and her village is still a very dangerous place to live. Some nearby Kurds have been checking in on Miriam from time to time and bringing her supplies. In addition, Voice of the Martyrs is helping her meet her needs through a local church planter. And they ask for prayer. And if you want, got a prayer list, you should write this down. Please pray for Miriam's health, safety, and spiritual encouragement. Now, case in point. How is a 93-year-old, last of her kind in her village, able to stay where she's at? How come ISIS didn't take her out? When you're a Christian in a foreign country, everybody knows that you're a Christian. There's There's no hiding it. If you love Jesus, which Miriam does, she stayed and God protected her and ISIS did not kill her somehow and she stayed. Again, you are, if you serve God like Paul did, and you're his servant, you are bulletproof until God is done using her as Miriam was, as Paul was. Paul did come to the point of his time being over on this earth shortly after this letter, as will Miriam someday, once God is done with her. But until that point, God will continue to deliver her and as he delivered Paul from death, no matter what persecution that they face. That's this an awesome testimony of God's power and that the fact of if we do really serve God, that no matter what, even though we may go through evil, God will keep us. He'll help us. He'll strengthen us. He'll get us through and he'll protect us. And he won't allow us to be destroyed completely. He may allow us to go through the persecutions because that's what he promised, but he'll keep us and that's encouragement and that's encouraging. It should encourage us today. So anyway, getting back to these Persecutions and afflictions Christians should expect, as even Marion has seen, or Miriam, excuse me, has seen. Look at what Paul writes to us next in verse thirteen. He says, "But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived." What can Christians expect from these evil people that Paul's talking about in his day? That they were coming in the last days. Well. I can think of a few things. Paul names them off here. I can think of these evil people are going to bring persecution. They're going to bring affliction to us. And they're going to bring us false teachings exactly what, in fact, to deceive us. That's what they're going to do. They're deceive themselves. And they're bringing these false teachings to deceive us. And really, Paul informs Timothy and us here that, unfortunately, the dangers for Christians will not be getting any better as the last days progress. But really, they'll be getting worse. So it's not good news in, in a sense, but it is good news in effect that as we see these persecutions come more, we know that the end draws near. And since today, April 2016, we are in the last days, I believe, that Paul speaks about in uh, 2 Timothy 3.1, the very last days of this creation. We Christians need to be ready for terrible persecutions and afflictions and false teachings to try to deceive us. Now, I'm already seeing this horrible persecution by ISIS in the Middle East. And you got to have, you got to have no eyes and no ears and and be in a coma to not know what's going on in the Middle East with ISIS. I I see it happening, in case you're not familiar with the refugees in Europe. The refugees are overtaking Europe, and they're Muslims, and probably ISIS too. And unfortunately, what am I seeing on the false teaching side? Well, I'm seeing Africa in terrible, terrible apostasy and false teaching. I'm seeing America plagued and inflicted by false teachings and false doctrines and false you know, denominations all over the place. So as I said, I, I believe it's already here. Uh, as I said last week, I believe we're in the last days right now. One thing that we're not seeing too much of in America, and, and, and this I want to warn us today in, in this message is, is Christians, one thing we're not seeing too much of in America is the persecution, torture, and death that our brothers and sisters are facing like by ISIS, you know, or in, in the Middle East and other parts of the world. Uh, so I want to encourage every Christian in America uh, that that's listening to this message. Uh, although it's not a you know it's not a woohoo it's not a, something to get real excited about, but I I do want to encourage you. I want to ask you a question: Are you ready to die for your faith, like your brothers and sisters are in the rest of the world? Because I think we're overdue. I think right now we got the false teaching side. I think pretty soon it's going to come here, and I think pretty soon every Loving every person that loves God, every person that loves Christ is going to face the question of, are you going to die for your faith? Um, I hope that when that day comes, if that day comes for you and you don't die before you have to face it, or you do die, or you don't die, I should say, before you have to face it. So you're still alive. Persecutions come here beyond just, you know, ridicule and beyond, you know, just people making fun of you. But I hope that if the day comes and you have to stand there and they stick a gun to your head or they put a knife to your throat and they say, "Well, you deny Christ and we'll let you live," because this is what they do in these countries. They go and they ask the Christian, "Well, just re- recite this, recite this saying," you know, and, it, and it's a Muslim thing. And, and if you just recite this thing, this this saying for Allah, then we'll let you live, and then you could just pay us tribute and, and we'll be okay and so I want to ask you, are you ready today to die for your faith? If, if, if today somebody comes to your door and sticks a gun to your head and says, I know you're a Christian. We're going to kill you right now unless you deny Christ. What will you do? Because that day could be coming here really, really, really soon. And and I hope you don't. I hope you take the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, really, really powerful. He says, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That means Christians if they come to kill you because you love, follow, and believe in Jesus Christ, and you reject Jesus, you deny Him to save your earthly life, then that means that you're going to die someday, no matter what. Everybody's going to die, whether it's by the sword, by a gun, or just by, you know, you're just natural death. But if it's through persecution and you reject Christ, that means that if you deny Him before these men, then once you stand before Him at the gates... I don't care whether you believe once saved, always saved, or whatever. Christ said there, I won't let you in. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. And don't forget what he says. We always take that Scripture has multiple meanings. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever desires to save his life, and he's talking about your earthly life there, will lose it, his eternal life. So if we want to save our earthly lives, the few more days that we have, and by denying him, then we will lose our eternal life. I just want to warn you. So if you deny Jesus Christ to save your earthly life, He won't grant you eternal life. Christians, you've been warned and you must be ready. We must be ready. We can't think that this persecution and the death is coming to the rest of the Christians all over the world and yet we're in this special bubble because America's falling apart and falling into sin more and more every single day. God's protection upon America is slowly going away. So we must be ready for what could happen. Christians, we must be ready. Now, look at what Paul says to Timothy next in verse 14. He says this But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He tells Timothy he must. Notice he uses the word must there. You must continue following and believing what I, Paul, have taught you regarding the Bible. And what I've taught you is the teachings of Christ. Because, see, these evil people are coming that are going to persecute and afflict you and deceive you. So you must continue to follow and believe and be strong in what I've taught you. Why would Paul say this? Why would Paul tell Timothy, you must continue in the things? Why? I mean, what that's that's pretty powerful. You must do this lady or guy or whatever, that, that's a very strong statement. You must. we well, see, proper doctrine or teaching and belief of the Jesus Christ of the Bible makes or breaks a person's eternal life. Why, you say? Well, if people believe a false doctrine or false doctrines of Jesus Christ in the Bible and their teachings on salvation, so they believe false teachings of salvation and false Jesus or a false Jesus or false things that the Bible says, and they twist them, then what they do is, is if they start to believe the false stuff, they stop knowing the real Jesus Christ of the Bible and they stop knowing his true teachings and his true salvation because Jesus taught about salvation. The Bible talks about who Jesus is. Jesus has certain characteristics just like you or I do. You can't just claim that Jesus was uh, some spaghetti monster and you know he lives in a nth dimension and, and he's got four heads and, and seven arms. That's a different Jesus. That's a different Jesus. And so if we don't believe the Jesus of the Bible, then we're not believing the Jesus that saves. Okay, that's important. Um, Only the Jesus Christ of the Bible and the way he taught us to be saved can get us to heaven. Um, how could false teachings of Christ and, and teachings on his salvation cause Christians to walk away from Christ? Well, just look really quickly at just a few of the false teachings that we have here in America. We've got the Jehovah Witnesses, which teach that Jesus Christ is just an angel. And, and they teach that there's no hell and that they teach that when a, a sinner dies, he's just annihilated. So there's no hell. There's no punishment for your sin. You just die. And when you die, you just, if you're not, you know, you just get annihilated. If you're not, if you're not saved, if you're not part of the, uh, you know, if you're not one of God's Jeho- you know, Jehovah's children, you got Mormons who believe that Jesus Christ is Satan's brother. And they don't believe that anybody goes to hell either. They believe that people will just walk on new heavens and, or, and a new earth, and and only the really, really, really bad, evil people that well they'll they'll be destroyed. They don't, but there's no hell. They don't believe in hell. Different Jesus. We got the Catholics who don't believe who believe we need to work our way to salvation. we need to do a whole bunch of good works and and be good people and we need to do all these good things and pray the rosary and and do all our you know our pen our penance and and, and do all these things to earn our salvation. And yeah, 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 Jesus, well, hey, we got Mary for that. We'll just go to Mary and then Mary will go to Jesus and then we'll be okay and then we'll go to the saints and they can go to Jesus for us, even though there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And you got and you got Calvinism here, where oh only the elect get saved. Only those that God predestined and foreordained and chose that they would be saved before the foundations of the planet and those poor other saps and suckers, well they don't they don't get to make it because, you know what, God just chose them for hell. In fact, he made them for hell. Well, how do I know I'm an elect? How do I know I'm not an elect? I don't know. It leads to confusion, destroyed lives, People get, you know, people get confused. We got the Church of Christ again. We got, I got to work for my salvation. I, got, I must be baptized. And yet the thief on the cross, he didn't count. Even though the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, Jesus said, you're still going to be with me in, the, you know, in paradise no matter what, even though he wasn't baptized. And yet there, that doesn't make sense. So I got all these false teachings, all these false ideas of Jesus Christ, and yet we don't, the Jesus Christ of the Bible claimed to be God claim to be God's son, claim to be the only way to heaven, claim to be the creator of all things, right? And this is where if we don't worship and serve him and and know of him and who he really is, this is where it can lead us away from the true path. Paul writes verse 14 to Timothy because he remembered the words of Jesus Christ to his original disciples when he was talking to them about these same persecutions and deceptions that were coming in the last days. Matthew 24 13, but only he who endures to the end shall be saved. And what he's talking about is enduring in your faith, enduring in what I taught you, enduring until the end, following me, not just Oh, having a belief in him. And then, oh, a a very common false belief of salvation today is I just had this belief in Jesus. Oh, I just believe in Jesus. And I prayed when I was in youth camp and I got saved and then I'm good to go. That's it. I got my, I've got my get out of jail. I got to get my hell out of, I got my get out of hell free car and I'm good to go for good. That's, I just believe in Jesus. And that's not what Jesus taught at all as far as how someone gets saved. So, He who endures to the end must be saved, which means that if Timothy didn't continue in the true biblical doctrine and faith of Jesus Christ and the way of salvation that Jesus Christ taught, that he would not endure, if he didn't endure, he would not attain eternal life. You see, persecution and false teachings were there then, in Paul's day, Timothy's day harsher persecution and more false teachings were coming and paul knew that if christians didn't stay grounded in the jesus christ of the bible and his salvation they'd end up not getting into heaven and the same goes for us today the only thing that's changed for us today christians there's only one thing that's changed for us today april 2016 and that's We are now fully in these last days, which Paul writes about here, which means that we need to be very careful to know and follow the Jesus Christ of the Bible and his teachings on salvation. What is the number one way that a Christian stays strong in Christ and the Bible and his teachings, his salvation and in their faith and continuing to follow Jesus and away from the false teachings? What's the number one way? Read verse 15. Paul tells Timothy, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Through what? Through the Holy Scriptures of God. We know that the Bible says that it gives faith. God's word brings people faith. And this is how we remain in the faith, how we remain strong in God, how we keep our compasses headed north, is we get into the Word, which tells us about God, because it's God's breathed words. It's as if he breathed them himself. We're going to read that next. An idea, something to help us understand uh, about how important staying, keeping your mind on the Bible is, is think about it like this. See, Paul said the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, are able to make you wise for salvation. That means if we keep our minds and our eyes on the Bible, then we're going to, you know, if we focus on them and do what they teach us to do and follow the Jesus Christ of the Bible, then we're going to be getting to heaven if we do what they say, right? Well, think about it like this. You don't go to Mario, the Italian chef, to learn how to build a house, right? I mean, maybe he knows how to do some construction, but his specialty is going to be making Italian cuisine. Mario, the Italian chef, is not going to probably know how to build a house. So if you want to know how to build a house, you go to a who? You go to a carpenter, right? A carpenter builds houses. A carpenter knows how to you know, do things of the construction of a house. Well, the same thing goes if you want to know who Jesus Christ is, and if you want to follow him, and you want to know what he taught on salvation. If you want to know these things... To, and to follow him appropriately and who he really is and what he taught on salvation then you go and learn from his word that he taught through the book that he inspired this is a big one a lot of the things that the false religions that uh, in christendom i would say teach people one of the things that they're big on is not getting their people into the bible they want you to go just to listen to their sermons They don't want you to get in depth in the Bible and to read the Bible for yourselves because if you read the Bible for yourselves, by golly, you'd actually hear God's word and you'd actually could hear what they're teaching that's not right. And then, you know, therefore you wouldn't be under their thumb anymore. So you don't go to people to learn about God and Christ and His ways, you go to the horse's mouth himself. You go to God's mouth himself, and he inspired the word himself. Look at the first sentence of verse 16. Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What is he saying? What is inspiration from God? Well, think of it like this. God's word, the Bible, is God's very breathed word. It's, It's as if he... You know, we know man wrote the Bible, but we know that here by what Paul says here, that God basically breathed into their ear and kind of made their hand write the things that they were supposed to write on those pages where we get our Bible from. God's word is inspired by God. If we want to know who God is, if we want to know who Christ is, if we want to know how to follow Christ, then we got to get in his word that he inspired and go to him for direction. And there's no better place to learn who God God is and what he desires from you than from his own mouth. And this is what Paul says here. We don't go to people. We don't go to the the carpenter to learn how to make a pizza or the pizza guy to learn how to make a house. We go to the pizza guy to learn how to make a pizza. And we go to the carpenter guy to learn how to build a house. That's just kind of how it works. Well, we go to God And we learn from God, that's where we get our faith. It's where we learn how to follow Jesus Christ. It's where where we learn who Jesus Christ is. It's where we learn how God says what pleases Him. In the Word. God's very inspired own Word. But God's Word is not just good to help us know who Jesus Christ really is and what He really taught. His Word is also good for the rest of 16. It's good for doctrine. What's good for teaching us? Teaching us what? Teach us. Teach us all the things that God wants. It's good for reproof or proving God's word is real. You can find proofs of God's word is real and who God is in, in his word. That's what the Bible says, and I've seen it myself. You find God's word good for correction. When somebody's in error and somebody comes at you, what do you do? You go to the Word. Well, you know the Word of God says this, this, and that, and this, and that. You say this. Well, no, you go back to the Word of God. It's good for correcting. Correcting somebody who believes falsely. It's good for instruction in righteousness. What? A guide to teach God's kids how to live righteously. God expects, be holy for I am holy. That's what God says. That means that if we come and follow Christ, God expects us to try to live according to His ways doesn't mean that we're going to live perfectly according to his ways, but it means that God expects us to try to make that our goal. So God's word is good for instruction in righteousness, teaching us what God expects, how God expects his child now to live. And Christians need to also know these things in God's word because of verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, we need these words, we need God's word, so that he, we can be strong and faithful followers of Jesus Christ and what he taught us and how to please God, how to live holy, uh, how to have eternal life, just to name a few, and also so that we can face these persecutions, these afflictions, and so we can know these false teachings. We can pick them out, because I can pick out a false teaching from a mile away. I always find myself listening to them as I listen to modern Christian worship music. I kind of listen, I want, and as I listen, I hear things, and I go, oh, they believe that doctrine. Oh, oh, they believe that doctrine, because on my my mind is always my mind is on the word of god when i'm hearing godly things i'm trying to pick out the god, the true word of god versus oh i know this doctrine they believe that doctrine so god's word is good for us it's it makes us strong soldiers you see god wants his children those that are really his those that have decided to follow him to be soldiers in our faith for him he doesn't want us to be wet noodles he wants us to be strong soldiers not weak and wimpy, but strong soldiers. Ephesians six ten 10-13, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up, therefore, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Paul knew that these evil days were coming. We're living in these evil days right now. Christians, we need to be strong soldiers for Christ in God's word, not wet noodles. I thought about naming the, the sermon that, but I wasn't sure because there's so much here. There's so much here. But, but in, you know, just in recapping, Paul says in verse 13, evil men, just in general as a whole, think about that, and impostors. See, he didn't put evil men and impostors together. They're both evil, but evil men just meaning evil men in general. And imposters, or or religious imposters, like I said last week, will grow worse and worse, being deceived and deceiving people and bringing persecutions, afflictions against the children of God in the last days. And I believed, ladies and gentlemen, that we in 2016 April are seeing those last days right now because we're seeing all that Paul talked about and we're seeing all that Christ spoke about in Matthew 24 right now. And Paul's advice to Timothy is advice that we need to take right now. All Christians, how do we overcome these evils that are coming against us right now? Verses 14 and 15, we must continue in the true biblical teachings of the Bible, that the Bible alone teaches us. Solo scripture, the Bible itself. Learn the Bible and hold on to the Bible and get it in you, Deep, 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 learn it more, 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 more. And don't stop. We must continue in these things and know in the Holy Scriptures well, which can make us wise through sal- or for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Christians, my brothers and sisters, the times are perilous, as Paul said in chapter 3, verse 1. It's a hard time to be a Christian, it's not going to be getting any easier as the unveiling of the Antichrist is almost here. He's almost going, he's about to be revealed. And the return of Jesus Christ is going to follow that. And on all that I said, I just have just an exhortation to all my true brothers and sisters in Christ out there that are listening to this message. We've got ISIS in the Middle East, Muslim refugees in Europe, false and apostate teachings on who Jesus Christ is and, and, and who he said or in how he's said to be saved, are abundantly festering and spreading like cancer in and from America. And plus all the other signs that are coming upon Christians all over the world that Jesus Christ talked about from Matthew 24. It's not time to be weak in your knowledge of the Bible, Christians. It's not time to not know your Bible. It's time to know your Bible better and stronger than you ever have. And who Jesus Christ is. We need to know who he is, and stand firm on who he is. And stand firm on what the Bible says about him. It's time to be strong. And not a wet noodle for God. For the evil men and religious imposters Paul wrote about. Listen to me. Please. They're not coming anymore. They're here. They're here. We're not, we're, we don't have a time when we're coming. Oh, oh they're, they're, they're coming this way. No, no. They're here now. They have come and they have been working really hard to bring persecutions, afflictions, and false teachings into this world. And guess what? Sadly, they've succeeded. They've not failed. They've succeeded. My exhortations are these. Christians, get into your Bibles more now than you ever have. I have a challenge for every Christian out there. And I'm going to give just a couple things I want you to focus on. If you're a sports fanatic, I challenge you to know your Bible well. This is going to take time, but time. What do you care about in life? You care about your eternal life, or do you care about your life now? I challenge you, there are sports fanatics out there. Get to know your Bible as well as you know the plays and the players of your favorite sports team you maybe could tell me right now all or most of your favorite sports team's favorite players can you tell me the bible that well if not it's time to get into your bible more because these evil imposters they have no mercy they have no pity they're going to be bringing false teachings more and more they're already here How do we fight them? We get into the Word, as Paul said. We continue to learn the Word of God. We continue in following Christ. I challenge you, you who love gardening. You could probably tell me all the favorite variants of of your flowers that you like or, or the ways to plant or the fertilizers to use. I challenge you, gardeners out there, do you know your Bibles as well as you know what plant to plant and what season to plant that plant and what fertilizer to use. If you don't, you could be picked off. Remember himself. God spoke this to me as I was preparing the sermon. Remember Jesus himself when he was being tempted by the devil for the 40 days in the wilderness, right? What did the devil do? He came to God, because Jesus Christ was God in, in flesh, and he fought God with God's word. But he twisted it a little bit. But Jesus knew. So what did he do? He fought him back. And he said, no, 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 Satan. This is what God's word really says. When Satan comes to you, and in these imposters, and in your ear, as he talks to me all the time, or tries to talk to me, are you, do you know your Bibles enough to say, no, Satan, that's not true. I don't work for my salvation, because that's a false doctrine in our world. I'm saved by grace through faith. No Satan, no religious imposter. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He has no beginning or no end. He is God, and He he, he, he made everything. He's not a created being, because that's what the Bible says. Because you know what? God wrote the Bible. You didn't. You're a liar. Do you know your Bible's as good as that? That's being strong in the Word. Being strong, not being a wet noodle. Christians, get on your knees and pray for the lost in this world. Pray for the persecutors of Christians all over the world. That's being a strong thing. That's doing something that God told you to do in a strong way, not being a wet noodle. Uh, and, and, And again, don't be shy. Another exhortation. Don't be shy to tell us about Jesus Christ. Don't be shy to let your light shine in this world. The Bible says that we're not supposed to put a basket over our light, but let our lights for Christ so shine so that everybody in the world can know He's real, can see Him in us and be drawn to Christ. Christians, be soldiers for Christ, not wet noodles. Be soldiers for Christ. Maybe today, how do you even know you know the real Jesus Christ? How are you sitting there and you could tell me, well, i pastor and I know the real Jesus Christ. How do you know? How do you know? Do you know your Bibles at all? Have you ever read or listened to your Bibles? Maybe you could say you never have. Maybe you'll say, oh, I only listen to my pastor or oh, I only listen to what my, my church teaches. Well, how do you know you know who the real Jesus Christ is? As I said earlier, Paul promised it. It's here. False teachers were coming and they're here. How do you know you've not been duped? How do you know that you don't believe in a false Jesus Christ that can't save you? And how did Jesus Christ teach how to get saved? That's another big one. How did he teach to be saved? Is everybody saved? Oh, only the good people? False. How did he teach to be saved? We must, if you care about your eternal life, you can't just think, oh, I got these things down. You got to go to the Bible, to the mouth of the man that wrote it, which is God. And you got to find out. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Go find out. There's all kinds of false teachings today about who Jesus Christ is and how he says to get saved. So what did Jesus Christ really teach on how to get saved? What did Jesus Christ, what does the Bible really teach about who Jesus Christ really is? What kind of power does he have? What kind of promises does he have for you? If you don't know these answers or you're not assured of them, or and you've never gone to the Bible and found out for yourself or to find out for yourselves and you've only listened to somebody else, you may be in danger right now. You need to get into your Bible and you need to find the answers to these questions. Because if you don't, and when you stand before God, if you were wrong, and God says, Hey man, you didn't know me. You only listened to that false prophet. You didn't ever go to my word. There's no excuse. It's the point of the man wants to die and then they're judged. That's it. There is no, oh, I get another chance to go back and make it right. No, no. I'm sorry. Your, your ticket's been punched. That's it. God's going to judge you. If you follow the right Jesus Christ of the Bible, then you did. And you'll get to go to heaven. If you didn't and you were duped and deceived because you didn't care and you didn't search and you didn't seek, you're out. That's just it. So I challenge you I was an atheist at one time, and I took God at his word. God said in his word, Seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive. I did. I took the God of the Bible, and he revealed himself to me. I challenge you, seek the God of the Bible. Seek who God is in his word, and he will reveal himself to you. Just ask him. Lord, who are you? And get into his word and find out, because you don't want to die and not be ready. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this message. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, that your word is able to keep us wise for salvation, Lord. Your word is able to make us wise for salvation, Lord God. Nothing else is. Nothing else is. Not a man's opinions. Not the world's wisdom of you. But your word is able to make us wise for salvation. Lord, please, The people that are listening to this message, get them into your word. Please get them ground into your word. May they either be strong Christians or strong seekers of you, and may they be strong soldiers for Christ or those that are turning to you and letting you save them. But get people into your word, Lord. Please defeat the devil. To everyone that's listening to this message in their lives, defeat the devil. And Lord, bring them to Christ or get them stronger in you. Please, dear God, I pray for all those that are listening, Lord, that they would be headed to you and that when they meet you face to face, you'd say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.